0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Sin Suda Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It reads, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, It is good for a man to not have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourself to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as myself am, but each one has his own gift from God one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the married I give this charge, not I but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Do not be concerned about it, but if you gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who is free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price, do not become a bondservant of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let him there remain with God. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that." This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife and his interests are divided. and the unmarried or a betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good and order, and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes, let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. As we jump right here in chapter 7, we see that Paul is responding to a specific thing that the church has brought to his attention. He says in verse 1, now concerning the matters about which he wrote. Then he goes on to discuss the concept of marriage and this thought that we are to live the life When we were called to our faith. And so essentially, what he wants us to understand is these changes in our relationships are not going to change or make our life better. What do I mean by that? I mean, is person who's been working with students for years, a lot of different people that I've talked to have said, man, if I was just married, or man, if I just had this job, or man, if I just had this position, or this other extenuating external circumstance in my life, it would be so much easier for me to follow God, or it would be so much easier for me to be content, or it would be so much easier for me to be joyful. What Paul displays in this chapter is that's not really the the case. In fact, it's actually the opposite. Because as you have been living as a person in a certain situation or a certain circumstance, you understand how you were supposed to rightly live in that time. As you make changes in your life, as you move forward with these different things that you think, hey, if I would only have this, it actually will probably complicate your life. For example, I know in my life as an individual who was spending a long time as an adult, not married, when I was married, then I had a whole new set of things to worry about. Paul brings that up specifically here in this chapter as he talks about the fact that in verse 32, he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things. I know that to be true in my life. I know that I have a great blessing in marriage, but I also know that now my calling and now my focus in my life means that I'm spending more time with my family, with my wife, than what I was able to do in the ministry that I had before. Not that I don't still minister through my life and what I'm doing, but it's different. The focus has taken off from my freedom and ability to do whatever comes my way into focusing on what I do for my family. In that period of time where I was single and I didn't have other responsibilities, I would have other churches asking me to help with mission trips or other churches asking me to help with their student Ministry opportunities because I was able to drop everything and go and do that. Now I have other responsibilities that make it so that I can't do that. So the big teaching here is a change in your external situation is not going to radically change your life in the terms of what these people are probably looking for. It's not going to make you more holy. It's not going to make it so that you have any less propensity to sin or any less temptation to be selfish or temptation to not be following God. You are going to deal with the same issues and the same struggles as you are doing right now in this new situation you seek, where it could be even enhanced or amplified because of that situation and what's taking place. And so Paul is evidently responding to the confusion that these people have in the church at Corinth about marriage and this desire to be single being more important, or the desire to be married being more important. Either way, Paul says there are Blessings to both sides of that. But your focus is to be focusing on doing the Lord's work where He has you, with what He has you to do, and not changing these external circumstances to make it so that you're pursuing Christ in a stronger thing. Those external circumstances will not do that. In fact, it's your relationship, your connection to abiding in God, and your connection to the Holy Spirit that is going to enhance your ability to be an obedient believer and an obedient follower of Christ. Verse 12 is a common place for us to look at a question. When we think about what he's saying here, he says, to the rest, I say, I, not the Lord. And then he goes on to talk about something. The question here is, well, if the authors of scripture are inspired to be writing this by God, how is it that he says, I, not the Lord, and then continues to give us something that we see and read in our Bible? What is it about this passage and specifically what he's saying that makes it so he must say this phrase or to add this into what's going on? First, it's important that we understand that this does not mean that what he is saying is not inspired. In fact, when we look at what he's talking about, he is going to make a claim on something that Jesus, the Lord, has not specifically said in a different part of Scripture. There is nothing taught there about marriage that he is going to say from what we have in our canon or what we have in our understanding of what Jesus taught while he was on earth. We know then that Paul is making this claim through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he wants them to understand that, hey, I'm saying this to you. It is something that is new. It is not something that Jesus has said. But it is an opportunity for us to understand how the spirit works. He finishes the chapter with a reminder of that fact. It's kind of almost a sarcastic way of saying, and I think that I too have the spirit of God, that God is working through him as he is giving this proclamation, as he is making this statement about marriage in this situation. It's important also that we look that it is not a command that he's giving in here, but he's giving wisdom of life, wisdom of how to live. Once again, when we look at like things like commands or things like Proverbs, they're giving us the general response that we should have in that situation. There could certainly be other extenuating circumstances going on in the specific situation that he's addressing here, such as something like abuse, that would make it so that what he is saying is not what you're going to want to do to be wise and responding in that way. But he's wanting us to understand, hey, this is a new thought. This is something that he is saying now. It is not something that they can look back to Jesus's teachings that they have that would further say specifically what he is going to say. So their question is a good question in terms of their are seeking wisdom. They're seeking understanding. They've gone to a person of authority, and they want Him to help them understand what God wants them to do. It's the same thing that we're asking you to do each day as you respond to this podcast. Find a question that you have, or whatever question it is that has been laid upon your heart, find someone in your life, or find some tools in your life that will help you to understand that so that you can rightly respond to the way in which God has revealed Himself to you, and so that you can move forward in your growth as an individual, understanding that God has prepared you to serve Him and to live out your life as a responsible obedience to him because of the grace that he's given you by sending Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And so as you imitate what you see in this passage, as you have these questions and you go to the spiritually wise people in your life and you ask them to help you to understand the way in which God is revealing himself to you and allowing you to grow in your love for him and grow in your obedience to him, as you do that today, know you were loved.